Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another wonderful installment of First and Goal dean gridiron talk as always i'm your host cj medeiros and also as always i i have the greatest trio rocking with me got mike Chiquetti, got cd caraballo and i got ben pope so we will continue with our top 10 rankings oh and this ought to be a good episode it's receivers and corners i can already hear the debates happening and also, there are a few interesting news stories that good old Mike will share with us. So definitely stay tuned for that. And before we start, I do have to mention that we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. So if you haven't already, check us out on those. And of course, give us a fair rating. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're also on Instagram. Maybe you've heard. It's first and goal pod. No caps, no spaces, first and goal pod. All right, then. Let's get right into it. And we are going to start off with the consensus top 10 corners. Mike, what do you got for us? All right. So the corners list is very going to be very debatable. I already know this is coming. So we're just going to start off um, number 10. Our number 10 corner, Carlton Davis, Tampa Bay Bucks. CJ had him ranked the highest at six, and myself and Ben had him unranked. I mean, I think I put him at, like, what, nine or ten? Ten. I put him at ten. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's where uh, he should be. Uh, six is a little high, in my opinion, but, you know, I'll, I'll respect it, CJ. I'll respect yeah, it. I mean, if you subtract now look i know you just can't do this but if you subtract that one game in the regular season against the chiefs he was actually a very 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 good corner i mean with 68 tackles and four picks that's definitely something you want from your corner one and he definitely did it better than than most but then again he doesn't quite have that name value yet so that's why a lot of people sleep on him as we move on to number nine marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore was ranked highest by Ben at seven and unranked by CJ. Yeah, so Marshawn Lattimore had sort of a under-the-radar type of year where we're used to hearing his name a lot in the top corner discussion. This year, he sort of took a backseat um, with, you know, the, the reemergence of, of Jalen Ramsey and Carlton Davis sort of having uh, his first good season. So he deserves to be on this list because he has the talent for it. Just didn't have his best statistical season, um, but deserves to be on this list. Yeah, most of his overlying numbers pretty solid, like amongst corners. Only a 52.9 completion percentage against him. Uh, his quarterback rating against him was a little bit high, not at 94. But he's overall like been a consistent guy over the past few years. And uh, name value does carry it over a little bit, but still was able to put up uh, a top seven, top seven season in my eyes. Yeah, all right. Number eight, we have Marcus Peters. 
which I thought this was an interesting one on this list, ranked highest by CJ at five and unranked by myself. All right, no comments there. I thought that was kind of interesting to see Marcus Peters on the list at eight. We move on, number seven, Tredavious White, ranked highest by Ben at four, ranked lowest by CJ at nine. Yeah, so Trey White is, is again, one of those names that you heard last year in comparisons with Gilmore's Defensive Player of the Year season. Um, just, again, didn't follow it up with a great season. It wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It just wasn't as dominant as his 2019 campaign. So does he deserve to be on this list? Yes, because he's a top 10 corner in the league. I like where he is. Um, I, I think putting him in the top five is a little bit too high. Where he is at, at number seven is perfect for him, I think. Yeah, Tredavious White really, like, fell off this season. I mean, but towards the end of the regular season, he really started to play better. I mean, at least statistically. But alas, this is this isn't just an end of the season list. And if you take all of his performances into consideration, he's not top five, at least not this year. Um, so I obviously having him at number four disagree a little bit. Uh, just giving some more notable numbers. Uh, right under an 80, 80 uh, passer rating, he gave up uh, 56.9 uh, completion percentage against him, which was right around like the top 10 uh, in cornerbacks. Uh, he did have a little bit of a down year, but I think it was definitely uh, he definitely had a very good rebound at the second half of the year. He was my most disappointing player coming into the second half of the season, and I think he completely rebounded. I have him out over some guys that I think uh, broke out a little bit more this year or had a little bit of a lesser season than Tredavious White. Uh, and it's getting him to that number four. I think he's definitely on a st- the start of like that second tier of corners, at least in my opinion. Um, but factoring in a little bit of what he's done in the past, but this is mostly based on the strong second half that he did have and the overall numbers that he did put up uh, just in the overall spectrum of things were uh, for the most part in the top 10 of cornerbacks, uh, just for overall this season. So I had him at four. It might be a little bit high for guys, but I think, I think it's well enough uh, established why I have him there. Yeah. I think the only reason why he's ranked lower than top five this season uh, is just because he had a fantastic season last year. I mean, one of the best seasons comparable to against the Gilmore's defensive player of the year season um, that he had. And we sort of just got swept up in expecting him to just replicate that same thing the following season and it's just very hard to do so. You've had very few guys that can do that. Like Darrell Rivas did it a couple times. Um, you know, you've had Sanders obviously play good in back-to-back seasons. It's just it's hard for you to replicate what you did in a in a season like he had last year. So that's why for me I put him lower just because not failed expectations, but sort of just didn't get to where we all thought he would be based on last season. But again, still a top ten talent, and he deserves to be on this list. All right, number six, J.C. Jackson. Ranked highest by CJ at four, ranked lowest by Ben at 10. The one thing I'll say about JC Jackson um, is his interception total definitely sort of boosted where I think CJ put him. Um, and also, I think I put him pretty high as well. Not gonna, I think I put him at, at six or five you, or something you, like yeah, that. Yeah, you had him at five. Yeah. So just the fact that he was such a ball hawk um, and, and grabbed nine picks this season was really the, the main factor for why I put him up there. To be quite honest, in terms of coverage and his coverage skills, they sort of honestly took a backseat this season to what I think he did last season. And that was because without Gilmore in there, he was the number one corner. And 
players like Stephon Diggs were matched up against him all the time. He had to go up against some pretty tough wide receivers this season. And um, he sort of just didn't, he didn't have the best coverage skills uh, that I've seen him play. And that was, again, because he was forced into the number one role with Gilmore out with a couple of injuries here and there and COVID. Um, so we got to see what it looks like in his first season as a number one corner. And to be honest, wasn't that terrible. Definitely deserves to be a top 10 corner in the league based on this season. Um, he still has a lot to improve on. Uh, it's not just an interception thing here to, to, you know, when we rank them, but having nine picks isn't easy, right? So I think he deserves to be here um, at six. Um, we'll have to see what his coverage skills, how they improve next season. That's something that he should work on in the offseason now that he knows that, you know, Gilmore's in the last year of his contract. Depending on if New England signs him long term this offseason, he could be the number one guy for years to come. So that's something that he should work towards. But again, he's not the worst in coverage. It just, if he gets better, he could be one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, I put JC at seven, and my reasoning for it was the top six guys ahead of him. I'm not going to put a number two corner over all these number one guys who are covering the number one receivers, despite him having all the picks. A lot of it had to do with the, had to do with a stat I read about his coverage as the number one cornerback, and they weren't they weren't the greatest. Is all I'm going to say. So my reasoning is because of his lack of um, coverage skills compared to the guys I had above him. All right, we get into top five. Number five, we got Marlon Humphrey. Ranked highest by CD at three, and he was unranked by CJ, which I think is kind of a little wild, a little wild, because we all had... Well, yeah, so the thing with, with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, uh, they're debatable that they are the best one-two punch at corner in the league. Um, and I guess Marcus Peters has the name value over Marlon Humphrey. Um, but, you know, that shouldn't really go against Marlon Humphrey because I think he's a fantastic corner. Um, very good at attacking the ball. He's a very he's very good at forcing fumbles. Uh, it's a very good talent of his. Pretty good in coverage. Uh, you know, that one-two punch of of Humphrey and Peters in Baltimore is, is something special. And I think Humphrey, in all honesty, is the number one corner in Baltimore. He, I think he Peters is, yeah. is definitely CB2. Yeah. So you got to give credit where it's due. And Humphrey is, is a fantastic younger corner. Um, so I, that's why I have him ranked higher than Marcus Peters is because I, I value him more than I do Marcus Peters to that secondary. Um, but yeah, no, he, he was unranked. You said somebody had him un, unranked. CJ had Marlon Humphrey unranked. Yeah. I just, I just want to know CJ. In all fairness, your... he was my 11. I mean, statistically he was okay. I mean, his tackles were good. Everything else. Eh. But, I mean, I don't know. He just didn't have it. Like, he was better last season, in my opinion. And, honestly, I don't think that he was his last season self. I just don't. All right, number four, we have James Bradbury. A very um, emergent year from him. First year on the Giants, ranked highest by me. I put him at number three. All right, uh, so James Bradbury, number four. Number three, we have Jalen Ramsey. Ranked highest by CD at number two, and he was ranked lowest by myself at number four. Jalen Ramsey, a very um, nice reemergence year after people were unsure if he was really that hyped-up cornerback that he was in Jacksonville, but he really showed that he was that. 
in his was this his first full season in the Rams uh, defense? Yeah, and I think I think we can attribute so this conversation is kind of between the top three. I know that you had Jalen Ramsey at four, but I feel like for the most part we've this is between Ramsey and the next two guys, and they all kind of lead like in their own category. Like I would say, uh, one of the guys from uh, the team associated with the cheese uh, is very much a player that is uh, very good in the one-on-one coverage, very good with the efficiency numbers. Um, the guy associated with the team uh, Ace Ventura likes so much, uh, he's very much associated with uh, putting up a big interception number. I think Jalen Ramsey has the repertoire over the past few years of being known as uh, one of the best cornerbacks uh, to cover just uh, number one receivers and just his overall numbers as a whole usually lead the league. I have Ramsey third myself, uh, and I think the top three, uh, top four, were very much like kind of packed together. So Rams, Ramsey at three makes sense to me. Number two, we have Jair Alexander. Ben, CJ, and myself had him at number two, and CD had him in the lowest at number four. So we all had him around there. Jair put up insane numbers. I want to say... I read a stat where he didn't give up a hundred yard um, game this season. That is correct. That is a correct yep, statement. That's there. true. Jair was the guy with the cheese that I was talking about just a few seconds ago. I just didn't want to say the name to spoil anything, but you could have figured that out if you know the Packers at all. Uh, Jair was unbelievable with uh, kind of his efficiency numbers, one on one coverage. Uh, like Mike just mentioned, didn't allow a hundred yard game. Uh, very good in the playoffs as well. Um, his efficiency numbers were off the chart. He was a little bit overrated of uh, the way that some people valued him as like this far and away number one cornerback in the league. I think that uh, Ramsey and the guy uh, at the consensus number one both have some valid cases to be at the number one corner spot. But Jair Alexander is very much in the conversation. And our unanimous number one corner was Xavier Howard. Xavier and Howard, you just can't you can't debate it. Jair and Jalen Ramsey, you can make cases for. They had great seasons, but Xavier and Howard, at the end of the day, he was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He was, what, top three, top four, and he just had a great season. So just to run through our top ten corners again, we have Carlton Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Peters, Trey White, J.C. Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, James Bradbury, Jalen Ramsey, Jair, and Xavier and Howard at number one. So we're going to hit some news before we – hit the receivers. So the first one we're going to talk about is obviously the big JJ Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals from an Instagram post that was captioned source me. So who wants to um, talk about this one? He signed a two year, $31 million deal with Arizona to join Chandler Jones in that pass rush unit. Go ahead, CJ. I was shocked. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was shocked. Uh, Arizona wasn't in my top five, you know, places for him to go. I, I hadn't heard any rumors. The only thing that would possibly link him to Arizona was DeAndre Hopkins. And Hopkins, as you know, had the social media post with he and J.J. Watt hugging it out, saying, let's finish what we started. But outside from that, n- nothing. And all I got to say is, oh, those poor Browns slash Steelers slash Packers slash Bills fans. I mean, I think the news just blindsided everyone. 
And like I said, I am shocked, but commenting on the contract, I do think they gave up a bit too much because J.J. Watt's not the force he once was. But that's just a small gripe. I mean, overall, I think it was a great signing for Arizona. He and Chandler Jones are going to be scary. And Arizona is definitely going to be a threat in the NFC next year. See, I don't think the money in his contract was too much. I think the guaranteed money was a little too much. Uh, I think it was, what, $21 million guaranteed right off the bat? 23. 23 guaranteed. $23 million guaranteed, which at the end of the day, as much as we all love J.J. Watt, uh, he is up there in age, and he's also had a, his fair share of very uh, important injuries. So that's something to keep in mind. Is he going to make the entire season? Will he last? Uh, how much will he produce next season? Um, I think Arizona's going in a win-now mode. Um, it was pretty obvious when they traded for a guy like Hopkins rather than investing in a young guy, um, that they, you know, Christian Kirk, and letting him sort of develop. They want to win now. They think their window is open. And I think... Um, Adding a guy like Watt on the line, who is second in the league in sacks since 2012, uh, is very big for them. We're going to have to see how it pans out. Um, but I really like the move for Arizona. And again, I didn't expect it either, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think we were talking about Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland with a big three, and, and Green Bay as well. Uh, we're, we're sort of the main uh, focus points when everyone would talk about J.J. Watt, and then Arizona just sort of came out of nowhere. Like... <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins made that Instagram post, and we all said, oh, that's funny. It won't happen. And then it happened. So do I think that uh, Hopkins being there was definitely a factor of, of getting Watt there? I, I think it I think it was. I think it, it really helped make his decision. Uh, obviously, he would, he would probably talk to him and ask him, what's the culture like? What's the coaching like? What's the atmosphere like? Uh, and it, it appealed enough to J.J. Watt to, to, you know, have that be his final decision. So I'm looking forward to seeing Arizona's defense. I think they're still a couple of pieces away from being a top three defense in the league, especially considering you have a defense like uh, Los Angeles. And as much as I don't, I, I was talking about how much I don't trust the San Francisco defense next year. I will give it credit that it is a, uh, a very good defense when they're all healthy. So um, they're going to have to acquire some pieces, whether that be in the draft or maybe Isaiah Simmons is going to have to take that next step at the linebacker position. That remains to be seen. Um, but the addition of Watt definitely makes their defense better. Now we're going to have to see what they do with um, Golden and, and whether or not he comes back or not. Um, I think he tweeted out a bunch of eye emojis when they signed Watt. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what, what, uh, what the Arizona defense is going to look like in full. Yeah, and you have to keep in mind that uh, they have Hassan Reddick, who we talked about just a couple weeks ago uh, on the linebacker list, that he's an impending free agent for the Cardinals, uh, turning 27. Uh, they do have the option to tag him, but that is still going to be expensive. So if they do want to stay under uh, and stay in positive cap space, they're probably not going to be able to re-sign Hassan Reddick uh, or any too many significant pieces. I know Kenyon Drake's also a free agent, so it's kind of going to be interesting to see where they go from there. But uh, that duo of Jones and Watt is going to be a very lethal, even though they are a bit of an aging pair. Um, just adds to the uh, pass rushing uh, prowess that the NFC West does have alongside guys like Aaron Donald and uh, Nick Bosa. So it's definitely going to be this adds a little bit more fuel to the flame that uh, Arizona does have uh, in competing with teams like. Uh, the Rams and the Seahawks coming up this year, uh, even San Francisco when Jimmy Garoppolo eventually gets back and pieces like Nick Bosa are fully healthy and everything. So it's definitely going to be an interesting four-team race. 
uh, as long as Russell Wilson stays in Seattle. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because Seattle, now they really need to give Russell Wilson protection because they're going to be going against Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt for two games in the year. Um, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, two games in the year. Then you got Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, two games in the year. So Seattle needs that protection because they're going against some big top pass rush guys. Um, keeping on with the Arizona news, um, Kenyon Drake said on a – let me get the source. Um, he said on an interview with Good Morning Football that him and the – Arizona Cardinals have not had any conversations regarding contracts, so he will probably be set to hit the free agent market along with Aaron Jones, probably, and James Conner, not expected to be re-signed. So there are some, and Chris Carson as well. I believe um, Seattle is going to let him walk. So there's going to be some enticing free agent running backs for teams that are looking for one. Um, Kenyon Drake, he was with Miami, got traded to Arizona, I believe, two years ago, and really put up some put up some solid numbers on Arizona. Yeah, I think kind of what they're going to be looking for on the free agent market, like I mentioned, they're not going to have too much um, money to work with unless they do feel comfortable going into the negative on cap space, if they real feel uh, really comfortable about their position and everything. But uh, they have Chase Edmonds there, who's a young running back, I believe, age 24. He's a very good pass catching running back. Uh, but he got a couple opportunities to be the number one guy when – uh, Kenyon Drake got injured at, against the Cowboys, um, and he really didn't do much as the lead back. So they're probably going to be looking for kind of that 1A to uh, Edmonds as 1B. Drake might be that guy still, but if the reports are that they really haven't had too much conversation, it might be more of a uh, just keep your head down and run it type of running back uh, kind of things, um, options off the top of my head. Chris Carson might be that type of guy. He was kind of that guy with Seattle. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see where Arizona goes with that, especially with J.J. Watt now in the fold. And they could even look in the draft. There will be some solid running back options even in the second round. Javante Williams, Kenneth Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson, and name a few. Um, next, Dak Prescott said that he wants to be right behind Mahomes in contract talks. Mahomes is making 45 mil a year. Um, so Dak Prescott will probably be asking for around 40 a year, which after seeing how Dallas performed without him this season, I feel like you got to give Dak what he wants to stay in there. I think Dak saying that is kind of just, uh, kind of expected at this point. I don't think it's something that we expect him as kind of like a group of fans and just in general, I don't think we expect him to get that type of money whether it's in Dallas or if he moves on to a different uh, team in free agency. I do think Dallas, we've mentioned this a bunch of times uh, since free agency started that, or since the season ended, that uh, if the Cowboys do have the option to extend Dak, they should be able to do it. Um, if they do have to overpay him a little bit, I don't know if they overpay him to Mahomes level, definitely not that, but if they are able to overpay him just a little bit uh, to keep him there, he is obviously something that has worked out really well in Dallas. They just need to have some underperforming guys that they do have around him, especially on the offensive line and defensive uh, side of the ball that need to improve. They're being paid like they're superstars and they're not really playing like that. Uh, Dak Prescott in the offense, not really the issue. I know Ezekiel Elliott, uh, like we mentioned in the running backs episode, his efficiency has gone down a little bit, but he's still Ezekiel Elliott. He's still a very good running back in the league. 
and the offense really isn't the issue. So if they're able to secure Dak back into a Cowboys uniform, uh, it makes sense if he gets paid somewhere near that. I don't think it's going to be near Mahomes level because I don't think he deserves that. But it's understandable where Dak is coming from, just at, from a player's point of view. Yeah, they've been trying to work on a contract form for what, like a year or two now. Uh, we have some player releases now. Miami released Kyle Van Noy. Kind of a questionable decision for me because they released a guy who gives you solid production on a in a position of need because Miami, outside of Jerome Baker, kind of lacks at linebacker. So it is kind of confusing how it saves them just under 10 mil, but they have a lot of cap space anyways. I don't really understand why they would do this, so they must have some idea of upgrading a linebacker. Vikings are releasing Kyle Rudolph. They have a 23-year-old, 24-year-old, one of the two, Irv Smith Jr. Uh, he was great when Kyle Rudolph was not playing. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has not been good in a couple years, not going to lie. Uh, he was he had a couple of notable catches in the playoffs. Uh, that touchdown catch against the Saints uh, and that one catch against the Cowboys, a one-hander. But other than that, he hasn't been really great in the Kirk Cousins era of Minnesota. Irv Smith Jr., on the other hand, when he does get an opportunity to play, he is a very talented uh, tight end, very good route runner, good hands, uh, is an athletic player. Uh, don't know about his blocking ability too, too much since he is still a young player, uh, and he is a little bit smaller than most tight ends in the league are. But I think that if they're able to establish him as like the third option there behind Jefferson and Thielen, I think Kirk Cousins has three really good offense op- options on offense. Yeah, I like Irv Smith. He was the, I believe, the third tight end after TJ Hawk and Noah Fan in the 2019 draft. So another piece of news, Alex Smith was released by the Washington football team. Um, Kind of a, had a lot of cap working against them, so they probably just figured he isn't in the future. So we'll just cut him. Thoughts, guys? Alex Smith released. Initially, it makes. Like, oh, never mind, you got this. Sorry, no, you got it. You got it. Go ahead. Yeah, so this, I mean, the move makes sense. Um, we sort of got the feeling that Alex Smith was done uh, after I think he came out recently and and talked about the way the end of his season was handled by Washington, and he sort of mentioned the fact that they had made it clear that they were going to move on at some point uh, late in the season. And it's no knock against Alex Smith because his story of coming back is nothing short of incredible. And to be quite honest, when he played as the starter, he was very good. Or not very good. He was decent. And and he definitely could have led the team in the playoffs. Um, and I think it just comes down to a culture change in D.C. I think Alex Smith has been there since um, he's been there for two seasons now, maybe three seasons. And they're they're changing their sort of uh, team identity. Uh in reality, they're they're no longer you know whatever they were called before. The they're the football team now, and they're going to change that soon in the future. So I think releasing Alex Smith makes all the sense for both parties involved. This gives Smith the chance to go somewhere to compete for either a backup role or maybe a, a sort of journeyman QB situation where, uh, if called upon, he could start a couple of games for a, a team's injured quarterback. Um, and for the football team, you signed Heineke to an extension. I think it was a two-year extension. Might as well see what he can do. Um, you know, Alex Smith is is getting up there in age, drafted in 2005, had that terrible injury. 
So I think at this point, it's time where he he should start thinking about whether or not he's going to continue. Um, and if he does continue, that's something he has to choose a team where he's not going to have to compete for the starting job because I don't think uh, a guy like Smith should be the bona fide starter for a team anymore. I think he's definitely um, a top-tier backup quarterback, and if needed to, he could start. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy that almost lost his life, lost his leg, um, is up there in age, and, you know, I don't know how many teams would want to sink a lot of money into that and call him their starting quarterback. That remains to be seen. Um, we'll see how free agency goes, uh, depending on teams that need quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks, whatever it, 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 it's going to be. Um, but this move makes sense for both sides. And, you know, wherever Alex Smith ends up, if, if he decides to call it a career, no matter what, um, he has a very fantastic story, a very empowering story. And it's been uh, an honor to watch him come back and especially start some games this season, this past season. So, um, you know, huge credit to him and I hope for the best for him in his future. Very, very well said, CD. All right, now we will move on to the top 10 receivers. Um, we'll get right into it, I guess. Number 10 on the list, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson ranked highest by CJ at 7, unranked by CD. So impending free agent Allen Robinson, pretty solid year for the Bears, uh, being the number one option between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. He was able to produce pretty much under e- either guy, uh, 1,250 targets, uh, 102 catches on 151 targets. Uh, I believe he had nine touch or six touchdowns, I should say. Uh, just a really solid year and going into free agency. He's kind of leading uh, kind of the receiver market along with guys like Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. I think he's kind of established himself as the guy that can be a number one on this market. And he should be making the bag wherever he goes. Yep. Number nine on our list, Mike Evans. Ranked highest by CD at five, unranked by Ben. CD, would you like to explain your um, reasoning behind putting him top five? Yeah, I I put Mike Evans in my top five mostly because, um, you know, for the past seven years he's been in the league. uh, He's been playing with a bunch of scrubs at QB, and he was still putting up crazy stats. And Brady comes to town, and he still puts up 1,000 yards and was um, one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the red zone this season. Um, I think I just wanted to give him the respect that I thought he deserved. And that's that he is a top five talent at wide receiver. Um, the season wasn't his greatest season by any means. Uh, but again, when, when he's had a seven straight 1000 yard seasons, um, I mean, it can't get much better than that. And he's, he's proved year in and year out that he's a very reliable number one receiver, a very talented number one receiver. And Brady came in, he didn't miss a beat. No offseason, no nothing, and he still was a 1,000-yard receiver. And I think that's all the credit in the world to him and his talent, and that's why I put him in my top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like most notably, like, over the past few years, Mike Evans, he's not really lumped into that group of guys with, like, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, who have been kind of at the top of the league for a couple years, DeAndre Hopkins being another one. Mike Evans is right in that conversation, like CD mentioned. Uh, he was right outside my top ten. He was literally my number 11 guy, uh, but it was literally just me looking at a lot of compar- comparable guys with comparable seasons. But Mike Evans has been a stud for uh, the last few years uh, since he came into the league, and I think that's only going to continue. 
especially if Chris Godwin leaves in free agency because he'll have even more targets and even more yardage to eat up from Brady. Yeah. Number eight, we have A.J. Brown. Ranked highs by Ben at number seven and ranked lows by C.J. at 10. Yeah, A.J. Brown was a guy that I was really high on coming into the draft. Um, I really, really wanted him to go to New England. I was a big fan of A.J. Brown. I had him as my top receiver in the draft class of 2019. And uh, to see him flourish with Tannehill in, in Tennessee is really something to see. I mean, he he's a very special talent, um, and he definitely deserves to be on this list. I had him at number eight, so this is a perfect, in my opinion, this is the perfect spot for him. And again, he's still young, so he's only going to get better, and I'm looking forward to his, his growth, and I can't wait to see what he will become. You know, there's always talked about him looking up to Julio Jones and wanting to be the next Jones. Um, give him some time and give him, um, you know, keep feeding him as they do out there. Um, and why not? He, he has the talent, in my opinion. He's a very talented guy, um, very strong. He's a very strong receiver as well. And he has all of the uh, abilities and intangibles that you want in a in a number one receiver, and he's only going to get better. And so putting him in the top ten, especially after the season he had, is is justified. And, um, yeah, perfect, perfect spot for him here at number eight. One of the kings of the almighty yak. Yeah, A.J. Brown, to me, he just has a um, level in his game that he just he just has so much untapped potential. And wasn't he injured this season, he said? Something, broken something? So he had a broken, yes, he was. He had a broken bone in one of, one of his feet, if I'm not mistaken. He missed only three, three or four games. Uh, so he ended up playing either 11 or 12 games. Still put up 1,000 receiving yards. Uh, so you can only imagine, like, if he got a full target share of, like, what a normal number one wide receiver would get uh, in a non-Derrick Henry offense, you only imagine what he would be able to do. So uh, if Corey Davis doesn't stay stay in uh, Tennessee this offseason, if they don't sign a really good uh, number two option or draft someone, sky is the limit for A.J. Brown, who has one of the most uh, is one of the most talented wide receivers in the league right now. I agree. I agree. Number seven, we have Calvin Ridley, ranked highs by myself and Ben at number five, and ranked lows by CD at number 10. Yeah, I love Calvin Ridley. Um, deserve to be on this list. I know that's Ben's guy. I saw him wearing his jersey the other day. Definitely a top 10 receiver. I just put him at 10. Um, not a disrespect, no disrespect to Calvin Ridley. Definitely a top 10 receiver. Um, number five seems a little high, but also you have to keep in mind that Julio Jones was out this season a bunch of times. Uh, so Calvin Ridley really stepped up and took over. I, I, in all honesty, I maybe I put him at 10 because of name value, but he definitely deserves to be where he is on this list. He's definitely, definitely a top 10 receiver in the league. And he's also a young guy as well. So he can only get better. Same thing with AJ Brown. Um, so the future of the league is looking bright with these young guys. So yes, he deserves to be on this list. Yes. I had him at 10. Doesn't mean I, you know, no disrespect to the guy. No worries on this one. 90 catches, 1,374 yards, nine touchdowns. I think he, I don't want to say he usurped Julio Jones because we respect Julio Jones. He's been the number one wide receiver in the league for so many years, but it might be time for Calvin Ridley to take his spot uh, at the top of Matt Ryan's target list. And I don't know. He, he really established himself as 
a number one type wide receiver in the league, even though he has partnered with Julio Jones. Yeah, I I definitely think that maybe he's not the number one target. I mean, it depends on who you ask, but uh, I definitely think he is, and I think he's more than ready to take the reins from Julio. And we know that Atlanta very soon, maybe even this draft, is going to have to start building for the future. And Ridley is a great guy to build around. They have, you know, they they just have a really great player in him, and he's definitely going to be a bona fide top five in the coming years. For sure, for sure. Number six, we have DK Metcalf. Very emerging year. He was a monster, ranked highest by CJ and myself at number six, ranked lowest by Ben at number eight. Yeah, so we all sort of had him uh, at eight, seven, and six. I think he deserves to be where he is. Again, I mean, DK Metcalf is a physical monster. He's just, he's insane. I mean, that chase down that he had against Arizona, um, all of his contested catches he had this season. I mean, he's he's a beast. Um, to be quite honest, um, I still like A.J. Brown as a bona fide receiver more than I like DK Metcalf. There's just something that I really love about A.J. Brown. Even though I did rank Metcalf over Brown in this list, that's just based on this past season. But I think that A.J. Brown um, will, you know, he's just more talented than Metcalf. Metcalf is extremely talented as well. Um I just think that A.J. Brown is just a little bit better, but, we'll, you know, that, that's a discussion for another day. But D.K. Metcalf, um, physical freak, uh, definitely the, the number one receiver out there in Seattle now. Um, and, you know, when you have a guy like Metcalf out there, it makes Russell Wilson's job a lot easier, especially when his O-line is absolutely terrible. If he has, if he has to just throw up a pass, I mean, there's a 50-50, probably actually a 60-40% chance that Metcalf is going to come down with it. So, um He's definitely Russ's security blanket out there in Seattle. And uh, six is is right about where I think he deserves to be as well. So I can't complain about where he is. Number five, we have the rookie, Justin Jefferson. He was ranked highest by CJ at number five and ranked lowest by myself at number six. I mean, I, we can all agree here that, that uh, Jefferson is right around the middle right here of the top ten. And as he deserves to be, fantastic rookie season, record-breaking rookie season. Um, got a bright future ahead of him. Definitely stepped up in the absence of Stephon Diggs, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. But Justin Jefferson <laughs> had a big shot at winning rookie offensive rookie of the year. Maybe some people think he was snubbed from that. Um, but in my opinion, again, another young guy out here playing just as good as if he was a 10-year vet. And... Um, Hopefully, you know, his his maturity and his development with Kirk Cousins gets better next season. Really love what I saw from Justin Jefferson, and I uh, can't wait to see him hit the grid even more next season. Yeah. One thing I love about Jefferson, and this is among, like, kind of the league leaders, so I'm going to eliminate guys that above him that only played, like, a few games. Uh, so 14 full games for Justin Jefferson, played in full 16, but started 14. He He led the league with 11.2 receiving yards per target this year. So he had 88 targets for 1,400 yards. Um, He was really good. And this, we have to remember, this this is only only his rookie year. Um, Seven touchdowns, I think his numbers only go, they can only go so much higher than they are from here. But Kirk Cousins is going to be a guy that is able to feed him the ball as much as possible, even though they do have a, 
run-heavy offense with Dalvin Cook there. But it's a little bit different than the Tennessee situation. I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are able to get full uh, receiving repertoires from Cousins. Um, And Jefferson is going to be a future top three guy for years to come. He's really talented and kind of established himself as maybe the number one guy from the receiving class this year, at least for this year. Number four, we have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and all of us had him at number four. He was a unanimous number four receiver on our list. First year in a new offense, he's in Arizona now. We weren't exactly sure uh, what he would be able to do, considering uh, they have so many targets there with Christian Kirk, uh, Andy Isabella, Larry Fitz. Then these guys are DeAndre Hopkins. How are they going to be able to get fed from a little bit of a run-heavy quarterback with Kyler Murray? Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray showed no uh, resolution with not feeding DeAndre Hopkins uh, 1,407 yards, 115 catches, six touchdowns. Uh, he had a few blow-up games, but he was very consistent over this season. Uh, he's been, like I mentioned before, uh, with one of my points on another guy, um, he's been a top top three guy for a few years now uh, with Watson and with Murray now. He's had some really good quarterbacks the past few years rather than kind of the uh, really bad quarterbacks that he had in his early days with Houston. So we're able to see what he's able to do with a star quarterback like those two. And he has been a monster for years to come. One of the leading guys for contested catch in the league. So uh, DeAndre Hopkins is staying hot, even moving over to Arizona. Yeah, Hopkins, look, it's basically new team, same D-hop. And I only expect him to get better as he gets more acclimated to to Kyler Murray and their air raid offense. It's basically, like, you know, I don't know, like, how to describe it. It's basically sky's the limit. You know what you have in D-hop, and Kyler Murray's improving, and I really think that he's probably going to be a top three receiver next year you know barring injuries but yeah definitely look out for hopkins next season and i gotta bring it up who could forget that miracle catch over buffalo that's top five receiver material right there we move into top three now number three we have tyreek hill ranked highest by cd at number two and the rest of us had him at number three i mean I want to take this. If yeah, you, you don't can go right that. ahead, man. Tyreek Hill, the, probably the fastest player that the NFL has ever seen. This guy is an absolute monster, and yes, he's top three. He can get open. He can break your ankles. He can he can go up. He's got a nice vertical. He can catch. He can. He's basically, but it's that speed that it's the speed that sets him apart. He can make any guy look foolish well except for the super bowl but we you know we don't we don't talk about that but you know outside the super bowl this guy was this guy was a monster he pretty much cooked every almost everyone he came up against and there's only two people that i could say were better than him and and he's also competing with the nfl's best tight end and travis kelsey for targets and that also just speaks to hill's game-breaking ability I mean, yeah. I'm, the only reason I put him at number two is is because uh, of signature little peace sign. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Tyreek Hill is is something special. I mean, the one thing that was sticking in my mind when we were when we were making these lists was that one game 
in week six against Tampa Bay where he had 200 yards in what was it, the first quarter? Something like that. That's insane. I have never seen a receiver do that. Um, there's definitely been a lot of receivers more talented than Tyreek Hill, but I have never in my life have seen a receiver have 200 yards in the first quarter. So he had a fantastic year. As long as Patrick Mahomes is there, he'll continue to have great years. Um, I think he's, I think we all agreed that he was definitely top three, you know, whether or not I put him at two or three is, is sort of what I was thinking when I was making the list. But again, I can make the argument that he is three and then, you know, the, the next guy is number two, but you know, that's the beauty of the NFL and, and making these lists is that, you know, you're supposed to have differing opinions here and there. Um, but we can all agree that Tyreek Hill is top three material, fastest receiver in the league, um, and his talent is is insane. Number two, Devontae Adams. He was ranked number one by myself and CJ, and he was ranked lowest by CD and number three. Yeah, I mean, I just said a second ago, you could interchange him with Tyreek Hill, so he could be three or two for me, but... You know, what What more can we say about Devontae Adams? He is Rodgers' security blanket. He is his, without a doubt, number one receiver because you take Adams away and you're left with uh, Valdez, Scantling, and Alan Lazard. So, yeah, Adams deserves to be here. He um, is a red zone monster. He's insane in the red zone. Um, I wish I could, I had the stat in my mind, but I think what it combined with this year and last year it was something like 30 red zone touch, 30 touchdowns in, in general, something like that. I think he had like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're around that ballpark. Yeah, it's around thirty. It might not be in the thirties, but it's it's definitely high twenties. So, I mean, he's a guy that gives Rodgers that number one receiver that he honestly hasn't really had in a long time. You look at his his list of receivers he's had in his past, and you have guys like uh, Jordy Nelson, um, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Donald Driver. Yeah, yeah, guys like Donald Driver. So guys that like aren't who you think of when you think of number one receiver, like top five receiver in the NFL. But Devontae Adams is in fact that his route running is crisp. His hands are fantastic. His, his red zone efficiency is insane. And uh, you take away Devontae Adams from that Packers offense. And you're looking at a very different Aaron Rodgers. Um, because again, Adams is one of those few guys in the league that you can just throw it up. And he has a very good chance of coming down with it higher than higher than the DB does. Um, very strong receiver, great route running. I think he's a very underrated route runner in the NFL. Um, deserves to be this high. Number two, again, I can't complain. I, told, I said a second ago, I'll keep saying it. You could exchange two and three with me. Um, but yeah, Devontae Adams is something special. Um, definitely deserves to be here. And, yeah, and- Adams really, he really is special. I mean, I don't know what there is to say. He carried that Packers offense. Look, much love to Aaron Jones and yada yada, but but seriously though, Adams was a beast, and he was pretty much the only viable weapon they had outside of the emerging Robert Tanyan. But still, Adams carried that offense like he was double, sometimes triple teamed, and he'd still make catches. I mean, this guy was an absolute freak this season, and. Maybe this, what I'm about to suggest, will definitely cause him a uh, decrease in targets. But Green Bay, get this man some help. As much as I love him, he, I don't want to see him struggle just by himself. Oh, he's not struggling. He's like him, yes? Yeah, 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 whatever. I know he's not struggling, but I mean, mans need some help. Get my man some help. Uh, they have Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, oh boy, Equinemius St. Brown, the second coming of Jerry Rice, truly. Not going to lie, I mean, CJ kind of has a point here. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, 
to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I know you were joking, but seriously though, they they need to get somebody either in the draft or in free agency. See, the thing gotta... is, they don't need to get they don't need to get a somebody. They need to get a Cole Beasley type guy, a guy that you know can put up. See, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if they have a good slot receiver out there in Green Bay. Like a premier, you know, like an Adam Humphreys. If they got a guy like Adam Humphreys in Green Bay, I think that would be something that, like that would, that could work out. Let's get our number one receiver. Number one receiver, Stefan Diggs. Ben and CD had him at number one, and CJ and myself had him at number two. Come on, Ben. Represent, Ben. Take it away. So this was a very close debate for me, especially for me since I've been a Devontae Adams truther for like nearly three years now. But I can't deny what Stefan Diggs did this year. League-leading 166 targets, league-leading 127 receptions, a league-leading 1,535 yards, and eight touchdowns to boot. Uh, 95.9 uh, yards per game, second in the league, zero fumbles. This man was all over it in his first year in uh, Buffalo, a team that they really didn't expect to be a pass-heavy offense, but that was all they were this entire season. Had no running game, so they used Stefan Diggs to the utmost of his ability. Josh Allen and him have unbelievable chemistry with each other for only one year together. And I couldn't give it to another guy. Devontae Adams missing a couple games. And um, that was kind of the separation there for me a little bit. Um, I think both of them deserve a lot of credit for what they've done this year. But I give the slight edge to the guy that played the full 16, which was Stefan Diggs. So to wrap up the top 10 receivers, we have Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, Kelvin Ridley, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Stefan Diggs at number one. Before we hand it over to CJ to wrap it up, we have our last week of rankings next week before we hit free agency um, stuff. So next week we're going to have top 10 tight ends, top 10 safeties. We're going to hand it over to CJ to wrap it up now. All right, great preview, Mike. Let's hit the wrap-up. This is going to close the book on another chapter of First and Gold, Dean Gridiron Talk. So for Mike, CD, and Ben, I'm CJ. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.